Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jared Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Yeah, I mean, I would like all of us to, to get that done, um, you know, to do a better job there. I, I thought really during the game, offensively, it was a, it was a smooth game. They were operating really well. Uh, we moved the ball, um, you know, kind of up and down the field. Thought we made a lot of a lot of big plays. You know, we had good scoring drives, good long drives as well. Uh, but to end on a play like that, you know, that is really disappointing. And you know, as, as you said, you know, for you know, when Trevor gets older um, and, and a little bit more experience, you know, I think we'll you know we can say, hey, just line up and get over here. You know, get everybody set before we you know go ahead and snap that ball. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> Do you think Trevor would have been better off just taking like a delay a game? Yeah, I mean. I mean, it's hard to do that, right? I get what he was doing. But. Like, I can't imagine that goes through your head, but in the end of the day, if you're going to throw the football anyway, you might you have more space if you have space in a relative term, but you have more area if yeah. you have five yards back than the one yard. If you're going to throw it anyway, it probably wouldn't have been the worst thing. Can you imagine, though, like we're already hammering the Jags. Can you imagine if they had spiked the ball and then took a delay a game? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the optics wouldn't have been great. I'm not I mean, going to lie to you. but The optics aren't good anyway. Yeah, I but mean. I think that's the only way it could have been worse. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's hard for Trevor in that situation. But it, I bet looking back on it, obviously, it wouldn't have been the worst thing because now you can call a different play. But knowing the Jags, they take the delay game, then they'd run. Yeah, I well, I just think, I think the Jags, I, I think that part needs to be coached up and better, right? That uh, If something comes out of this, hopefully it's that they figure that out, uh, that he learns from that situation. Because for everything we know, it feels like he's not making a lot of the same mistakes twice. Yeah. And so I think he's a very coachable player. And so let's hope that they all learn from this and Trevor learns from this and be like, hey, I need two, three plays. I need an out. You know, anybody who's in a in a high-intensity situation, high-stress situation, in any walk of life, you need an out. you got to know where your bailouts are. you got to think of every scenario. And I just thought this was a situation where they didn't. They didn't as a staff. They didn't probably as a quarterback. They didn't have as an offense. And they had to be better uh, in that situation. And hopefully the, it pays off down the road. Again, these are the growing pains that maybe we look back on and, and someday – you know, next year he wins a game in a similar situation. He said, you know, I really learned a lot from that situation in New York. Yeah. You know, that's what you're hoping here in Jacksonville happens. All right. We're going to talk more about uh, what's coming up next for the Jags, like coaching-wise. I want to I want to just give everybody an update on where we're at in the coaching search. We just talked a little bit about Josh McDaniels. Before we do that, how about a little levity here on a Monday as the Jags go in 2-13. They're about to go in 2-15. and 15. They're going to be... 3-30 and 30 in a 33-game stretch. They're not beating the Patriots. They're not beating the Colts to end the year. Both teams very much alive and need the wins. So it's time for the voicemail of the day. Oh, yeah. Got this one last night. Now, this one was five minutes long in length. See, it was yeah, a doozy. You, you really could sit through it. You sat through it, right, Casey? A couple Once times. Yeah, a couple times. Uh, what I love to do now is I gauge the reaction of the family. So I'd play them out loud. Yep. And, yeah, there were times that they just kind of were, like, half listening. And then there are other times where they're just dying laughing. 
So they now know what these are. Um, but this all starts with essentially this guy, which you'll find out later is an older gentleman. Yep. Really thinks Trevor Lawrence is, in his words, a sissy. Yeah. For not staying in bounds on the run play. So play what you have, and, and hopefully you picked out a good part, Casey. Today, I don't usually watch that much uh, football, but I noticed uh, one of, almost one of the last plays, uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, got a hold of the ball, and he had a wide open space toward his left, and he ran toward the left, and he was running fast enough to where he could have, he ran out of bounds to the away to the left. But from what I saw, all he had to do was cut back to the right just a little bit, and his momentum would have taken him into the end zone, and there would have been a touchdown. But apparently, he's nothing but a big sissy. He was too scared of getting hurt. He could have run into the, he could have cut to the right, his momentum, even if he, he could have fallen into the end zone. So that's part of, uh, now he goes on to call Trevor Lawrence a sissy a couple more times. Eventually we would get to a different word that we will not report, uh, will, will not say and disclose here on uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. He called Urban Meyer a few names in this phone call. But there were some light moments, at least the way I took him and heard from him. Here's uh, more from uh, today's favorite voicemail. And this is more of the, uh, you'll, you'll see how he really feels about Trevor Lawrence. Big dude, he thinks he's a badass. He's not. He's, he's actually a sissy. He is a sissy. This guy, Lawrence, he's, what a sissy. If you get a chance, watch that replay of that scene. He, he could have he just cut to the right a little bit. He might have gotten tackled or hit. That would, he, he just got a touchdown. He's scared of getting hurt. Did you have a chance to watch it, by the way, Brent? Yeah, I did watch it a couple of times. I, what I love about this guy is assessment of, of the – he starts the whole conversation, if you heard it. I don't watch a lot of football, but – right? Yeah. And then goes into this five-minute conversation. All right, here's where it gets entertaining, I think. <laughs> and if you want to argue with me about it, you call me up. I'll come down there and talk to you. I'm like I said, I'm six foot two, six three, and uh, I, I have to use a walker because I've got severe back pain, and I just had some uh, surgery done on my heart. I'm 75 years old, and I'll tell you what. We couldn't tell you what he had to tell you what because it got a little interesting. But... Yeah, it got, it got a little sketchy. But he's, I mean, that is the greatest part ever. I mean, now that by the time I'm playing this for the kids, that they're like dying laughing. He's 75 years old. He's got a walker because he had back uh, problems. He's six foot two, six foot three. He he wants to challenge me, if uh, we want to challenge him on this. But he wants it physical, not not a, a debate. And uh, he's also had some recent heart issues. Yeah. I mean. But he's ready to fight. He's ready to fight. Do we have one more to close it out? That's that's all we have. Oh, that was all we have. Okay. Uh, I, I think later on, like his, at the end, he later would say again, basically, like, if you want to fight, bring it on. I yeah. Mean, kind of to what he just said. But, uh, and then he lists his phone number again, didn't want to do that to the guy. Yeah, true. Well, yeah, definitely don't do that. But, uh, I mean, these guys are unbelievable. They're calling. I love it. I mean, they, they, 
It is, it's amazing how much emotion comes out on a Sunday afternoon. For a guy that doesn't watch a lot of football, but then all of a sudden was the coach of the team? Yeah, I know it. Uh, he, that was in Trevor's a sissy for not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what I loved about it, too, you could hear it. Again, this was a five minute voicemail. Yeah. And so we just picked out a couple parts, but, and, and it got a little toxic in there at times. Yeah. Um, but I love the fact that he was like laughing at himself. Yeah, I at, at yeah. some points, like especially when he brings up the fact that, hey, if you want to debate me on it, I'm six foot two, six foot three, and a walker. I'm seventy five years old, and I've had back issues and heart issues. But let's go. It's a tough, <laughs> it's a tough sell. Like if you just you lead with the like you lead with the height, that's perfect. Maybe your reach, add that in, that's good too. But you can't follow it up with I, I have a walker. It's like no, unless you're gonna hit me with the walker. Because now I can't fight you because I feel bad about it. I can't fight a guy with a walker. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how tall you are. You've got the size. You might have the reach, but I can't hit a guy with a walker. It's, uh, it's straight out of grumpy old men. And what I should do is invite him down. I should call him up and be like, hey, come on down. We'll debate this thing. And then I should walk Austin out there. Oh, man. Yeah. Six foot two, six foot three. Not, not going to compete. Not going to uh, compete. Maybe he so is the guy good. that goes through the table, as it turns out. Yeah, maybe. He, uh, he sure as heck's not going to call you a sissy when he sees that video, if it ever comes through. If uh, if it does happen. Um, by the way, impressive by Josh Allen in Buffalo yesterday, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I picked the Patriots, so I'm not going to give him too much credit. But, uh, you know, they're doing what we thought they were going to do all season. They're finally showing it. And it uh, looks like they'll, they'll win the division. And Mac Jones and the Patriots are going to need to – pull some wins together here at the end but good news playing the jacks yeah well listen uh yeah the Patri- patriots going to win 45 to 10 uh 10? All right. we're going to score a touchdown yeah maybe so i mean it's going to be blowout city it it's interesting now mac has played you know they hit him against buffalo because of the weather uh then yep. i think then i think he had a decent game but or just an okay game the next week uh then i think they had a bye week somewhere in there Yep. And now he wasn't very good yesterday, right? I mean, the numbers weren't good. I, I didn't watch much of it, but it, wasn't it like 14 of, like under 50% completion percentage? Yeah, it wasn't The guy who's at 69% for the year, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and he had two picks. So 145 yards. I mean, it was. Are, are things catching up to Mac Jones a little bit in, in the critical juncture of the season? Um, I mean, it's, it's possible. The Buffalo defense is good, and. Uh, again, if you want to look at what he's done total against Buffalo, obviously they only threw it three times the first time, but he's done nothing against the Bills, which is a team you need to beat. But, you know, it's uh, it might start, start to catch up with them a little bit, but I'm going to give the credit to the Buffalo defense as well because when they were here, we talked about how good they were, um, and they were good here, and they've been good. They've been up and down like most teams. They obviously lose Trey White, but they definitely had his number. Couldn't stop the run, though. Tell you what, could not stop Damian Harris. Yeah, Damian Harris with three touchdowns. Uh, here's a here's the deal. In my opinion, I think Mac will struggle a little bit at times down the stretch. He's got weather. The game intensifies. He's going to have to make throws. The good teams will force him to make throws. And he doesn't have a great collection of receivers to begin with. I just don't know how much they can live on scheming things up unless the running game works and the defense continues to play lights out. In that stretch, that's why they were so good is because their defense was number one in the NFL, and their run game, I think, was number one in the NFL. And and I'm not taking anything away from Mac. Mac has been really good. Uh, But he also wasn't asked to do what some of these other guys, and I'm not just talking Trevor. I'm talking Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and and the like, what they've been asked to do. 
this rookie season. And so it could catch up to him a little bit here uh, late. But at least he's got a chance to play meaningful games and has a chance to go to the postseason. A lot could still happen in the AFC on that race. Now, I will say this. Look out for Buffalo. Yeah. Be- because Buffalo has not played good football really all year. They had a couple of games where they were like, oh, okay, that's the Buffalo team. But they've never really strung together this season. Like, it felt like at least three or four games were like, oh, these guys are the Super Bowl favorites. Well, the Chiefs have been on a roll lately. You look in the other conference and you got the Packers and the Cowboys really looking like they're strong coming down the stretch and could be unbeatable if they play to their ability. You have Arizona starting to fade. You have the Rams who are there, but you got to still wonder sometimes. Stafford threw three picks yesterday. Yep. I still don't know about it. Uh, the AFC North, like the Bengals can be really good, but do you trust them to be good in, in January? I don't. Uh, I still don't think the Titans are very good. If they get Derrick Henry back, then maybe they threaten more. I, I just don't think they're as good as these other teams. So my point being, like in the NFC right now, I'd take the Cowboys and I'd take the Packers, and I'd ride with them. Tampa? I Yeah, I guess you got to throw Tampa in there. My bad. Okay. I'm, I'm missing Tampa. I, I still think the other two, actually, I, I would take. But Tom Brady and Tampa, is they're Tom Brady and Tampa. Yeah, so, Dallas is too – like they can do what they did last night, but at the same time, they're not consistent enough. They play great defense, but if the defense fails them a little bit – they have to play to their highest ability, and they're not consistent enough on offense to do that. For me, yeah, I agree. But if their offense does play well, they, they can then, beat anybody. I mean, yeah. they are maybe the most dangerous team in the NFL. Yeah, uh, from both sides of the ball. So, uh, yeah, throw Tampa in there. So you got the three there, and then I really do think right now it's Kansas City's playing so well. But I think the Bills are going to be that team. My, my point in this conversation is I think the Bills are going to catch fire at the right time. Yeah, and and I think they are going to be what everybody thought they could be and to be honest with you this is the time you have to do it we, we said it all year it doesn't matter if you do it in october and even early november what happens in december and as you start to peak that's what matters and it looks like the chiefs are really on a roll they found something and i think the bills are about to find something could be wrong they could still mess that up heck they could still not even get in the postseason yeah i mean that's true but they play the falcons and the jets well, they're going to get the at home. Yeah, <laughs> but that's it's exactly what you want for your uh, for what you're saying because you want to catch fire. Okay, you beat you beat the Patriots and you you beat the Panthers, but you know that is what it is. But the point of the story is you beat the Patriots, a team you had to beat on the road. You have two easier games at home that you should win, and then all of a sudden you win those games. You've won four in a row, five out of six, I think it is, and yeah, you're you're hot and you're rolling exactly when you need to be. The question with Buffalo is. Can they run the football when they have to? And besides Josh Allen running the football, they haven't done a great job of that. Let's go back to the Jags for a moment. Uh, This coaching search and GM search. And I guess before we even say a GM search, there's a lot of talk over the weekend now that some people believe that Trent Baalke could be a part of this thing. I don't buy it, man. And listen, I don't know Trent. Nothing against Trent. Uh, this is, it's, you hate doing this to people because it's kind of our job. we got to give opinions. And, and say, I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I, I don't see it happening that Trent Baalke survives this. But I'm telling you, there's conversation that he will. Uh. At, what's, your, what's your thought on it? And how surprised and stunned would you be if Trent Baalke survives this? Stunned? I mean, you can't. You can't 
draft the way that you've drafted, like you can't hurt, you can't make ETN not get hurt. And I get that. But I talked about this on like OT the other day. There are fourth rounders and fifth rounders that are producing. Yours are inactive on game day most of the time. Jordan Smith still hasn't played. And I get that you drafted him as a project. You can't do that on a one-win team. Like, it doesn't matter what you think you signed in free agency. You can't draft a guy that you know you're not going to play for a year. You won a football game. One singular one. So I, you can't continue to do this and let him make more picks. The Jags have consistently made the wrong choice besides probably Trevor Lawrence. Josh Allen fell in their lap. I know he didn't play into all of those, but of late, you haven't made the right picks. This organization has consistently made the wrong picks. You got to clear it and let somebody who's never made that mistake for the Jags get an opportunity. Listen, there's some precedent here from Shad Khan to keep people in place and get rid of just one guy, right? I mean, there really is. He did that with Gus Bradley. Yeah. And, and basically said, hey, we're keeping just about everybody else from Marone to Hackett to Todd Wash to, and we're adding Tom Coughlin. Well, there's nobody on this staff from a coaching standpoint that's going to be the head coach. Daryl Bevel's not going to be the head coach. You know, Joe Cullen's not going to be the head coach. They're going to hire a coach. But are they going to let Trent Baalke be the GM and decide on who that is? And I just don't see it happening. I, here's the thing. Let's play from a logic point of view. Okay. And this is where I come from, by the way. This is like, I, I don't know Trent very well. I've spent a little time around him, and he was very, very nice when we did. Uh, I also, by the way, think that he's done some things in his San Francisco days of acquiring good players that people want to just push off. Now, it didn't end well. It doesn't end well. It never does end well, <laughs> right? right? When things fall apart, and there were some really peculiar moves in terms of the coaching and hiring and all that stuff that really transpired. But let's just take it from this perspective. This guy was in the building last year when you had, I think, 12 picks. Mm -hmm. And you were part of the staff that helped pick Chason and C.J. Henderson with two first-round picks. You then see the GM that you're working with get fired. And while he didn't bring you on and you hadn't been around for a while, you were still with a GM that was fired. You were also helping preside over a coaching staff that got fired. Yeah. And now you stay, and they kind of piece it together, which I can't stand when they do, because there's no real relationship there between Balky and Meyer. He's supposed to help lead the way, although we know Meyer's pushing the buttons, and that would be a Balky excuse if I was his agent or if I'm him, that, hey, Meyer was pushing all the buttons. I didn't have control. But now this guy's fired within a year, and really, to your point, none of your moves are really working like crazy. And so you're telling me that a GM or a personnel guy that has presided over 20 or helped in part evaluate 23 draft picks and three wins in two seasons is going to hang on when a GM, a coach, and another coach have been fired? I mean, come on. Yeah, it just like, doesn't Shad, make sense. Like, I, I just have to say that to Shad Khan. He's like, yeah, we got to go find another guy, right? Like, that's all, I, that's all we have to say. Like that, that guy's not surviving this. Yeah, and I think when you, to your point from 2020, if CJ, like, I'll even leave CJ Henderson out of it. Caleb Von Chason, when you watch him play, I, I tweeted this the other day, 
or yesterday during the game, he looked like the slowest human. I saw the fastest human in Braxton Berrios and the slowest human in Caleb on Chase on on the field at the same time. It was incredible. But the point of the story is, how do you get it this wrong? And I get other teams do it every now and again. They misfire, like Jeff Akuda might have been a misfire at pick three um, in that same draft. But you can't possibly have somebody who is looking at Caleb on Chase on and made the mistake that you made and let him continue to make picks. Yeah, That's just I, how I see it. And, and again, I, I will defend Balky in this regard. If you go back in his career, there are some things to like in San Francisco. This guy's not – it's not like he's awful at evaluating talent. This is not a vendetta against Balky. This was really nothing. That's why I kind of hate this in a way. It's like I'm not trying to ride Balky out of town. I'm just saying – and, and by the way, I could also make excuses for Urban had the power and Caldwell had the power and Bulky really didn't have anything to do with it. And Bulky would probably say, I wanted Justin Jefferson and I wanted this guy. And, well, that's what I would say if I'm Bulky. You have to. But the bottom line is something's wrong, man. Something's wrong inside the organization when you win three games over two years and you've been this bad. Yeah. And, and by the way, you got a quarterback in and you still only improved by one game, most likely. And if you look at these draft picks of 23 draft picks over two years, like, who are we hanging our hat on? I mean... And, and, and so, again, you, you can't... You have to be a part of that. Like, you have no... If it's guilty by association, it's guilty by association. The bottom line is they have got to get somebody in here. And, and this is my biggest point. And this is nothing, again, to do with Bulky as much. Is I want my G... I said this uh, last week on the show. I want my GM and I want my head coach so much together that I don't care whose fault it is but when one gets fired the other one automatically is gone because I want them I want to be able to say I blame both of you because you guys were so hand in hand on this you were so in sync together that I'm blaming both of you which is probably in hindsight something that shot he kind of did it when he fired Gus Bradley and brought in Tom but he kept Dave around and, yeah. and so we could have, because that was their best example of being in lockstep with each other. Like, Gus and Dave actually were on the same page, worked pretty well together. Uh, and then they started to split, because guess what happens in the NFL? As soon as you think a guy's about to get fired, you split from that guy. No doubt Trent Bulky probably started to split from Urban Meyer and be like, God, this guy ain't going to make it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the way the NFL works. But the bottom line is, if you keep Bulky. Like, what's his relationship with, say, you hire Jim Caldwell or Doug Peterson? You just want to fit, fit the puzzle pieces together? It's a dangerous way to do it. Don't do it that way. Go get two guys that can be on the same page. And, again, if they stay here for three years or six years or seven years or ten years, when I fire them, I'm firing both of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. And, I mean, if you go back, I was just doing this, and you look at not even necessarily the selections, but the San Francisco 49ers, when he was the GM, went from picking in the 30s to three. That's a problem. That means you're winning games, and now you're losing them. It is, but I will tell you this. I would take some of the talent he acquired over those years. He, he did a better job than the Jags in the top ten, or the Jags in the first round. And there are some examples of it. I, I know he didn't make every call right, but nobody does. Um Again, this is not an indictment. I kind of feel like this is the James Robinson to Carlos Hyde argument. It's not an indictment on Hyde. It's like, why the hell aren't you playing James Robinson? Yeah. This is different. This is like, hey, hey, Trent, it's not an indictment on you, man. Sorry to say it. We got to start over here. 
Yeah, like, uh, you, you, you have we, to. We got to flush it. You have to. I mean, you know, you know me. I've said last week, like, you got you to gotta get a new coffee brand in there. You got to do something. Everything and something all at the same time. All right. If you need any help on the coffee brand, I could probably assist. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Monday. Yeah, um, like I said last night, you know, I was really pleased with Trevor. I thought it was one of his one of his best games that he's played here with us. I thought he did a really nice job of, you know, you saw him taking some shots down the field when there was opportunities for those to be there. Uh, also did a great job in checking the ball down. Uh, had a lot of completions even on, the, you know, that last two-minute drive. I think it was like seven, at least seven in a row of getting completions, which we haven't done that. Um, so really good job there. But, I mean, the, the, obviously the, the two big glaring things are the turnovers or the two balls that were on the ground. That is Daryl Bevel. I, I said this uh, in our postgame show yesterday. I have to tell him my co-host to shut up one time. Saw that. Uh, but the um, – I think you can go back and watch that, maybe on our Action Sports X on ESPN 690 page. Usually we post it. Should be on YouTube, yeah. Um, but uh, these guys – like, these guys know what good football is, right? I mean – The players? Uh, Bevel and Schottenheimer okay. and, and Cullen. I mean, Cullen was with Baltimore. He knows what good football looks like. Yeah. You know, Bevel and Schottenheimer, they've been around Seattle and Russell Wilson and those good teams. They know what good football is. And sure, they've, they've had their struggles in the NFL too. But I just wonder when they're watching this stuff that we look at and we've seen bad football and we're like, that's the worst we've seen. <laughs> like, what do they think? Yeah, that's fair. You know, like, what, I mean, Ken, you're not going to get the truth serum out of them, but... Like, what, five years from now, if I go see Daryl Bevel or Schottenheimer or Cullen and ask them about this year and be like, oh, my gosh, that was brutal, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got to believe, what are they saying behind closed doors? Because, again, they know what foot, good football is. Or do they just live in that bubble in that world where, like, just so zoned in on trying to get better each day and all that stuff? But uh, I don't know, man. I, I just don't uh, – it's got to be awful to be a part of because it's awful to watch. Uh, most of the time. And it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. I just asked you this question. Is Are we getting more games impacted now? Like, FSU just canceled Wednesday's game. You won't hear that on ESPN 690, uh, which means we'll have a full show. We're actually going to be off at 4.30. Uh, we won't be. Uh, the Iceman cancel tomorrow's game at home. They're planning on playing on Wednesday as of now at home. We're seeing all the bowl games. Get, a lot of the bowl games get canceled. We're seeing... NFL teams shuffling around rosters. I feel like this is the most impact COVID has had on actual sporting events since the start of the pandemic, when they canceled everything, where yeah. we went like three months without without anything going on. Is is that accurate, or is that just recency bias? I it certainly feels that way. I mean, yeah, uh, it it seems like there's more games being canceled that are being played, and there might be some truth to that. And then even the games that aren't being canceled. Like when you look at the NBA, for example, it's you turn it on and it's like, who is that? Who is that? I don't know. They, they weren't on the team five. Like Joe Johnson is 40 years old and playing for the Celtics because they had nobody else to play and they signed him. You went to the game um, in Madison Square Garden. I, do you know who was out there? You know what? It's funny. Like, listen, I don't know the NBA great. I was asking Ty. I'm like, Ty, who, are, who is that? Yeah. Like, I'm looking up. Like, who is that? Obviously, Trey Young didn't play for the Hawks. 
Um, Darn it. Did they still chant? Is he balding? Did they do the balding chant? They didn't do the balding thing, but they did say uh, bleep Trey Young once. Did they you, did that chant. Did you get in on it, yes or no? Uh, no, it was so short-lived. You know why? It was like somebody was at the free throw line. I forget who. And that, so they did it, and it lasted for like six seconds. Why? I was like, come on, not, come on, Knicks fans. Be better than that. I mean, at least make it go for like a minute. Because you were ready to get in. Yeah, I was going to at least video it. Was I mean, Ty going to get in? Be honest. I don't think Ty Would was you have been mad at him if he just, like, if it just came out of nowhere, stood up, started really getting after it? That would have been pretty surprising. But, well, I, I, yeah, just, just seeing how he operates. I would have been mad. No, I probably wouldn't have been mad. I would have probably laughed. Another story to tell him. What a moment. I, I like stories. And so sure. uh, you live life to tell stories. That would have been one. Uh, did you see the Obi Toppin dunk? I saw your tweet, yeah. I, I was sick. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what, Obi Toppin played well. He doesn't play a lot. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that one. But but seriously, he does not play a lot, but I, w- I don't even know what he ended up. I think he ended up with like 11 points. Yeah. But he's like a human highlight reel. He just doesn't play a lot. The other thing is I knew this. Capella for the, yep. for the Hawks. Mm-hmm. That is like the worst uh, looking free throw in the world. <laughs> like I told Ty, I'm like, Ty, why are they even like booing and cheering? They don't have to. Like, yeah. they, like, you don't even have to try to mess that guy up. Yeah. He's so bad, like, he almost doesn't hit the rim. He, <laughs> like, not that, like, he airballs it, but he almost misses. Like, he should line up a few inches left or right of the rim. That's how bad it is. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's like, not pretty. I don't understand how you can play basketball all your life and be that bad from the free throw line. Like, and again, you might miss, but some people miss and it looks pretty or prettier than others. Right. This thing... Is not good. I mean, I, I'm telling you, you could be tanked and come closer to hitting free throws than he does. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It, it mean, is the, pretty bad. Yeah. Like the, the guy on the, uh, like one of their their promotion things, like he, he had to, if he hit four free throws in 30 seconds, like during a timeout. Oh, okay. Yep. 250 bucks for each free throw. Oh. And this guy was brutal. Like, this guy, like, he airballed the first four, and Ty's like, are you kidding me? Like, he's not going to make it. And so I said, at the end of it, he made three of them. Wow. And I said, Ty, what's more surprising, that he didn't make four in 30 seconds or that he actually made three? Like, that's how bad that guy was, and he was better than Capella. So not a lot of good free throw shooting at Madison Square Garden on Christmas is what you're saying. No. The, the Madison Square Garden game, though, was really cool. Like, uh, they did a good job with the. Just mixing in the theme of Christmas and, and everything. So it was cool to be there. Hey, uh, uh, by the way, you know what they say about Obi Toppin? What? There ain't no stopping Obi Toppin. Ah, that's very good. Yep. I You're can welcome. see their T-shirt being made for that. There you go. They love Obi Toppin, by the way. Do they? Um, it, it's so funny. There's a lady behind us. I never actually turned around and looked at her, but I was listening to her the whole time. And they, uh, you know, New York fans, you got to appreciate them because they know their stuff. Like, they, before the trip, like, it's six minutes to go in the third quarter. Uh, what's his name at a triple-double opportunity? Kemba Walker. That's he surprising. Needed, he, he needed a rebound. And so, like, as soon as the ball would go up in the air for, like, the next... He didn't get it until, like, four minutes left in the game. And so... But for the next quarter, every time the ball went up in the air and Kemba Walker was, like, within five feet of the ball, the crowd, like, rose to their feet. Like, they wanted to see the triple-double. So I respect the knowledge of the fan. Yeah. Well, there was a woman behind us, and... She, uh, it was her and her husband, I assume, and she had to be a little older. Again, I didn't even turn around and look at her, but she was fun to listen to. And so she's like, she's like talking about like passing the ball. Like, why are you shooting it? Like, I mean, she was like involved with this game now. Like, she wasn't just there. 
she was heavily involved. Mm -hmm. and, and she's debating things, and her husband's a little bit more, but she's more vocal. And so they get on, like, like where's Derek Rose? And her husband's like, oh, he's hurt. And, oh boy. like, that's, then she's like, man, he's always hurt. He's like, she's like, she goes, she goes, Derek Rose, he's broke. <laughs> like, after like a minute conversation, it was just awesome. It was like, in, in the New York, as Ty would say too, like in New York, heavy New York accent. Right. Too. So it was, it was just fun. It was a good experience to, to see it, but he's broke. <laughs> Which she's not wrong. No, she's really not. <laughs> it's pretty good analysis. I, like I say, I, I don't even know that uh, tr that Derrick Rose is still in the NBA. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. But yeah, he is out. Well, he's not out there, but he yeah he does he does have a jersey. They do give him one. Uh, but anyway, hey, if you're just catching in, the, the Jags have a bunch of guys on the COVID list. So that's kind of where we're going with this. And uh, the you know you got uh, Linder and you got Norwell and you got Jod Ward and um, by the way Ward made a couple nice plays yesterday. I noticed him. Uh, the there's there's more man hurts and uh, Dan Arnold and uh, so the Jags have a bunch of guys. Like the, now now it's hitting. And, and it is actually the one thing that Jags have done a nice job of is pretty much keeping that under control until now. Yeah. I thought they did a good job. I mentioned it last week, I think. It's but. funny. You start thinking about, like, okay, where did they get it? Are they getting it from teammates? One teammate bring it in. Like, how's it happening? Again, you have to self-report unless you're unvaccinated. The only guys that are testing on a daily basis now are the guys that are unvaccinated. So a lot of these players and coaches and, and people that are getting tested positive are self-reporting symptoms but like man hurts I, like i know like his family was there mm. and like he took like a group photo with his family like all right like is, is it that? i mean they all had masks on and stuff is, is that where you get like we were right next to him for our pregame show right and so you're just wondering like how where is everybody getting it right yeah um and and of course you travel like we're traveling a little bit here and so you wonder um but uh, back to the, the, the moral of the story, no doubt there. this is feels as impactful as it's been, and it really starts to hone in on, like, this Final Four and the college football playoff. Like, the bowl games are one thing. If the college football playoff, the, the rules they set in place yes, last week when we were talking about it, if that comes to fruition, what a shame that will be. You know, I mean, Georgia legit has maybe their best chance to win a national title, and, like, what if they get COVID right. and can't play? Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, I know that would make Gator fans happy and stuff, but, I mean, seriously, think of that. Is, is that how it's going to go down in, in 2021, 2022, January in college football? Like, it would be awful if that's the way it goes down. At this point, you have to, like, I think at this point with everything else getting canceled and people being out, I'd be more surprised if there's not some impact. Like, if it does happen, I think it would be more normal than if it doesn't at this point. Unless yeah, a good call. I don't... Here's what, like, the part that I don't know, and maybe you do. Like, Michigan, they said they all got their booster shots for the vaccine. So then, naturally, they're all vaccinated. So are they not testing Michigan at all because they're vaccinated? That's what I don't know. Because if they're not going to get tested, then, yeah, they're in a good spot. I don't know how that works because it's not the NFL, obviously. But that would be a huge advantage then, I would think. Yeah, it, it could. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I... Here's the one thing about the college game, too, is they have a bigger roster. So, at least from a player's standpoint, it's going to take a lot for a team not to play. Now, it's easier to pull out of some of these other bowl games, but I'm talking about the college football playoff. Yeah. Like, it, it, so, but still, I mean, you, you take significant losses in certain positions. 
Um, it's going to be interesting to watch and see how it goes. Uh, somebody on the uh, YouTube feed asked, uh, did the Jags schedule any interviews, to, any interviews today? Any update on the search? Let's do that when we come back. We'll end the show with uh, what is the latest on the search, what we know, what we don't know. And I do have a thought on the transparency of the search uh, that I'll share when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Monday after Christmas. Hope everybody had a good holiday. Jags are 2-13, and 13, staring 2-15 and 15 in the face. Number one draft pick, it looks again, in 2022. We'll talk about who will be the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars when we come back. different ways to handle that uh you know between spiking it and trying to get a, another play real quick on the ball i mean it's tough i mean i i was kind of with shoddy there spike it and, and give us a chance to just think about what we really want to call get us in a good situation so i like that and you know and we're on the two yard line one play from the two um i mean you can't ask for any closer than that i mean it could be on the one but i mean it's right, we're right there weren't they on the one yeah i think they were I think so, too. All right, let's wrap up this show. Uh, again, hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. Uh, it's a New Year's week, of course, and we'll be with you all the way through Thursday. Uh, and Friday, we'll, we'll hand off to the national guys on New Year's Eve, and we'll have complete coverage all week of the Jags. Uh, we have Jags Report Live coming up tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, I'm not in town, so Stuart Weber will fill in for me. That's at Sneakers in Jack's Beach at 7 o'clock. I will be back for Jaguars All Access. We will be live at Strings on Thursday uh, for that. And uh, plenty of Jags to talk about. And one of the big topics now as we move things forward, it kind of feels like the Jags season ended yesterday, in my opinion. Uh, the you know, That was their last chance to win a game, as it looks on paper. Uh, if they continue to play as bad as they've played over this stretch, which why would anything change? They actually played halfway decent yesterday. If you look at the numbers, that's what's crazy. Like their third down conversions, their penalties, the amount of yards they had. I mean, the run game really wasn't there once they lost James. But there was a lot to like uh, from a number standpoint. There's a lot to not like, too. 273 yards rushing, the defense allowed. Yeah. But uh, if, if they if they couldn't beat the Jets with some of the numbers they put up and how it looked, then how the heck are they going to beat the Patriots and the Colts? The answer is they're not. So looks like 2-15, and 15, number one overall draft pick. And the Jags are looking for a head coach. And today's a big day. They could actually start interviewing assistant coaches that are with teams, say Leftwich or Enemy or McDaniels. Well, the word on New England is uh, Bill Belichick didn't get a request for McDaniels from the Jags or the Raiders, the two job openings that exist right now in the NFL. So you got to rule out McDaniels, I would think. I, I don't understand why the Jags wouldn't have interviewed him if they could. Uh, the reports nationally are Peterson and uh, Caldwell will be interviewed or, or are going to be interviewed like this week even. Uh, left which is on the radar. Still no word from Tampa unless uh, unless you saw something, Casey. I haven't seen anything that if, that I if, looked. Yeah, if Arian said, like, hey, yeah, he's been granted permission. So i got to believe the Jags will try to take advantage of this rule with guys like Bienemy and Leftwich. Bienemy, uh, we heard, was he interviewed last year. He might have been a runner-up candidate for all we know last year to, to Meyer. So... I would think the enemy and left, which will get a call. Leslie Frazier's a name that's being rolled around by some. Uh, I don't love that, to be honest with you. But uh, it's it's certainly a name being floated out there. And I still think Peterson and Caldwell make the most sense. I mean, is this kind of a slam dunk? Like, I think everybody 
would go for Jim Caldwell if he's interested for the job. Isn't it as simple as that? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of what I just was doing a search and just looking on Twitter, what people are saying, and somebody was citing records of Jim Caldwell and whatnot. But uh, I'll take mediocrity at this point. Just win some games. When you've won three in the recent memory, yeah, I'll take the mediocrity, and then when you figure out how to win seven, eight games, then we'll figure out how to get a coach that can win 12 if you can't get to that point. But right now, five, six, Jim Caldwell can get you five or six. Yeah, he can. And, and again, I, I think that's a big thing. I mean, listen, I've covered a lot of this over the years with the Jags, and, it, you know, you take a guy like – what's interesting to me is you take a guy like even like a Mike Malarkey. He went 2-14 and 14 in the one year. That was a Gene Smith hire. They did not have a good football team. They thought they had a better football team. Uh, I saw today, actually, they led the league. That was a franchise record for drops that year hmm. with 47. We'll get there. So, so they had nobody that could score. And they're playing Gabbert. He's not good. But then Malarkey goes and gets hired by Tennessee. Right. And, he, and he wins like nine games a couple of times. And to me, that's where I'm at with the Jags. I'm not saying go get Malarkey necessarily, but there are there are coaches like Mike Malarkey that just know how to win nine games in the league, yeah. know how to win eight games in the league. I think Ron Rivera is that guy, quite frankly. He's had a couple of really good spikes, but he's also been that guy most of the time. This Washington team is not very good, and no. they've won games. Look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's terrible. They really are. They really are a bad football team. And they found a way to win seven games so far. It's incredible. Like, that's what happens in the NFL. I mean, I got to give my uh, – you got to tip your cap to Cully in Houston. He's won four games with that roster. Yeah. And the Jags somehow can't find a way to win more than two. You need to get at least in a, in a situation where you get back to winning six to eight games at a minimum just because that's what's supposed to happen in the NFL. Jack Del Rio was that guy. And I think you're right. I think Peterson can do that. He knows how to win some games at this level. I think Caldwell can do that. He proved that in Detroit. Uh, he's been around. I think that's he, he makes a lot of sense. He checks a lot of boxes yeah. for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's, it's probably a no-brainer right now for Shad Khan. It's would, either Peterson or it's Caldwell. I would think because you can't really – like Zach Taylor's working out now, it looks like, but you can't afford really to hire, let's say, Kellen Moore and have a first-year three-win I mean, it would be improvement, I guess. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think you can really afford to win three games with a first-year head coach and then we're in the same spot next year. I agree. I think Leftwich fits the bill, too. So, and again, I don't think those guys are bad coaches. I just don't think this is the time to do that. Right. And even be enemy, unfortunately. I think the enemy has a chance to be a good coach, but I'm not taking a chance on a guy who hasn't done it before. Not when you got two guys, one that's won a Super Bowl and one that had, what, seven, nine, 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 nine 18, and 11, 25, yeah. like... 36 wins with Detroit over four years? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer for Shad Khan. Really, the har harder thing is who's the GM and who's yeah. working with the, the guy. So pick one of your guys, Peterson or, or Caldwell, find out who's working with them and build a good staff. I don't really think it's that hard. So let's not make it harder than it should be. I'm with it. All right. Jagsport Live coming up 7 o'clock on Fox 30. I won't be there. I'm going to Urban Meyer's restaurant. Have fun with that. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Make sure you join us. Are you are you doing a show tonight? I am. All right. You and Brian Middleton, take it away. Had a big show Thursday. Do it again tonight on ESPN 690. Action Sports Shacks Overtime coming up next. Have a good one, everybody.